The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. Today, we are going to explore the question of, do you want to get well? A question that Jesus asks someone in his travels through there. So, and you know, we might we might even pray a little bit in the middle of this. So I'm just going to throw that out there right now. So if you want to like bolt out the door, you can. Just kidding. Don't do that. We want you here. Um, and uh, we believe that God is a God who wants to uh, speak to us and wants us to speak to him and he wants to be close to us. So we're going to pray right now. We might pray a little bit later. We might pray a little after that. So bow your heads with me. <sighs> Dear Lord, thank you so much for this bright, sunny day, and uh, thank you that we all get to be here and that we get to explore the life of Jesus and what he did, and we get to explore your word and the good news that you have for us, and I just ask that you would open our ears to hear whatever you'd want us to hear tonight, um, and that you'd be with us during the summer, which can be a bit of a tumultuous time. I know sometimes I feel like a boat without an anchor, just kind of floating around, so I ask that you would center us and center our hearts on you, so... Your name. Amen. Sweet. Okay, so we're going to look at a text from John chapter 5, and it's verses 1 through 15, so I'll throw it up here on the screen. If you have a Bible, Bible app, Bible app, (laughs) then you can pull that out too. And yeah, so the healing at Bethesda. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Uh, These things being other miraculous signs that Jesus had performed. So after these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos, which are like things. (laughs) 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 And in these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, Waiting for the moving of the waters, for an angel of the Lord went down at a certain seasons, at certain seasons, into the pool, stirred up the water, and whoever was in the pool first, after the water was stirred up, um, they stepped in and was made well from whatever disease uh, they had been afflicted. So this pool is kind of like a, kind of like a mythical pool almost. Um, People believe that if you got in the pool when the angel stirred it, there was a chance that you could be healed of your affliction. So there's all kinds of sick people just like in their uh, porticos uh, hanging out around this pool hoping for a chance to get healed. So we have this man. A man was laying there who had been ill for 38 years. Um, He was a paraplegic, so he was paralyzed. And uh, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had uh, been ill for a long time and in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? So that's the question that we are going to explore And let's just dive right into it. So you have this man who's been paralyzed for uh, 38 years. He's been sitting by this healing pool for all these years and, you know, just kind of waiting for his shot to get in the water and maybe win the lottery. Maybe that that angel, that mythical angel, will come down and stir the waters and he would be healed. Um, And after 40 years of paralysis, if there was a chance that this myth was real, it was really the only chance that he had of, of getting better again because if you're paralyzed for 40 years, you don't. You don't just get unparalyzed. So this was really his only chance um, if it was a, a realistic one, if this angel actually came down and this myth was true. So 
Tonight, we're going to put ourselves in this man's shoes, and we're going to step into his desire to be healed and try to learn from this story what Jesus is saying to us. And lastly, after that, we're going to explore the cure to our sickness and how we can be healed. So let's start by looking at this dude. Um, Kind of picture yourself just like laying out like on this hard floor. um, You haven't been able to move for 38 years, right? And you're just hoping that at some point you can get yourself from the ground into this pool that maybe you might have a chance to walk again. Um, So I think we can relate to this man's paralysis of sorts if we start exploring our own lives. And the first thing that comes to me when I think about paralysis and this idea of not being able to move is being scared. Like, that's what it feels like when you're scared. And in particular, I sense this when I look at my insecurities. Um, I know for me, my insecurities tend to fuel a lot, if not most of my decisions in life, because I take a circumstance and measure up my capacity to handle it, right? That's kind of what we do. We look at a class or a relationship or a job or even even just maybe another person, maybe like a social situation. We ask ourselves, like, am I good enough to like do that? You know, we compare what we think we are capable of to the circumstance. And this can either result in a deep fear of failure and like shrinking away from opportunities, like, oh, I'm not good enough for that. Like, I'm not even going to do that. Or it can result in an inflated ego and an overconfidence that can end up hurting others because you just think, you know, you're so awesome, like you can do anything. Um, but either way, insecurity fixes our focus on ourselves and not on the kingdom of God. And so this is what is paralyzing because it's either paralyzing to ourselves where we don't apply for the job. We don't take that class because we're not smart enough. Or we don't go to that party because we're not pretty enough. We don't interact with this person, ask this girl on a date, whatever. You can just be paralyzed. Um, so that's kind of how I relate to it. Kind of a personal story for me. I like to play music, and I like to try to write music. Um, but I can never actually like finish writing songs because I get so scared that like, oh, nobody's going to put that on the radio. Like, that's not going to be on MTV Top 20. Like, heck no, it's not good enough. I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, you don't, you don't write music so that, you know, it'll be on MTV Top 20, right? Because you like to do it, right? Um, so I have to catch myself and look out or else I'll find myself just deciding not to do it at all. I'm just like, throw my guitar. Like, nope, not going to do it. And that's just, that's just fear. That's um, focusing on me and me not thinking that I'm good enough to do that. So uh, you can compare this to really anything in life. Um, you know, there's people out there who want to be a writer, and they read other people's books, and they're like, oh, I'll never be that good, so might as well do something else that's safer, you know, opt for the safer choice. So have this idea of paralysis. We find ourselves spread out on the hard floor waiting for our healing pool in a life controlled by deep insecurity that we will not be good enough and not be loved if we just be ourselves. So, I don't know about you guys, but that is kind of where I find myself. And so, I thought that if you guys are similar to me, it would be beneficial to just kind of, I don't know, ask God where our insecurities are in life. And that he would reveal those to us, and that we could just pray for a little bit. Um, and so, you have like a sheet of paper and a pen on your chair. If you want to like write this out, if that's easier for you, that's awesome. If you just kind of want to sit there and talk to God, that's cool too. This is a super, again, relaxed thing. I don't want this to be like, Lord, like, hear our prayers, you know. You can just calm down, like, God was a person too in Jesus, and he wants to hear you. He wants to hear you speak to him. So, 
Let's pray, and then, um, yeah, use the, use the paper and pen if you want to. So, Jesus, thank you that you're a God who listens to us, and that, um, that you're a God who wants to heal us. We know that in so many ways we are not well, but you say that you can make us well. So I ask that in this time you would just reveal to us the places that we are insecure and that we think we're not good enough. Um, and that we would confess the places that we really think we're better than we are um, and that we tend to be prideful. And so I ask that you would just reveal those to us now as we pray. And Lord, as we pray for these things, we invite your grace into these situations. We know that you love us just as we are and that you are helping us, in fact, doing everything for us to become the person that you have us to be. So may we, may we keep these things in our hearts and in our minds and know that the lie that we are not good enough is not true. So, cool. Back into it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So let's continue through the story. So you have this man. Jesus walks up and asks him, do you want to get well? And it's... It's a clear and gentle question. Do you want to get well? And I don't think Jesus was asking this question to draw attention to the man's clear and obvious ugliness, but maybe he was asking the question because he was and is the only person who can make ugly things beautiful and who can take a paraplegic man and make him well, who can take a stubborn sinner like you and me and make us new. So... What happens next, I think, is kind of interesting, is kind of the stranger part of the story, and it's how the man responds. So Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? And after that, he says, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool, and when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone else steps down before me. So he starts like explaining to Jesus how it works. He's like, yes, I do want to get well, but he doesn't even say that. He just goes right into it. Here is how I'm going to get well. If I can get myself into the pool... And if the water is stirred up by the angel and somehow that healing power touches me, I'll be well. But I can't do that because someone else always gets in the way and I can't move. And and so I can never get well. So he just responds with with kind of the plan of attack. It's like, yes, I want to get well. Here's how it's going to happen. So just like help me out by getting these people out of the way, carrying me over and drop me in the pool. And what Jesus does is he kind of like cuts him off. So the dude says that, and Jesus just says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Immediately, the man became well, picked up his uh, pallet, or mat, and began to walk. And so, it's interesting. He gets up. At this point, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. Um, he gets up, and he's, he's instantly well. He didn't even need to go to the pool. So Jesus is just like, nope, get up, you're well. So let's continue to follow the story. Let me see if I'm at the right spot here. Well, first of all, a little side note. I can totally relate to this guy when he starts telling Jesus, like, okay, here's my plan, right? Jesus, If Jesus were to ask me if I wanted to get well and if I wanted my insecurities to go away, I would say, yes, I definitely want that. Here's what I need to happen. Like, I want all the songs that I write to be awesome and people put them on the radio and I want to be a little stronger and handsomer so that, like, Beyonce will quit Jay-Z and start dating me. And then we get married. 
like, then I'll be super well. Oh, yeah, and I want to be, like, super funny and charming all the time so that everybody wants to hang out with me all the time. Then I'll never be lonely again. Like, sweet, like, do that, Jesus. Like, that's how I'm going to get well, right? So we think we have this idea in mind of, like, how we're going to make it happen. But all the while, Jesus is just like, no, like, I can make you well right now without all those things. So we're going to continue on in this story because you kind of need to to figure out where this is all leading. So the man gets up and he runs into a couple of Pharisees. Uh, it, It was on the Sabbath. And the Jews saw him carrying his mat. And they said, the Sabbath does not permit you to carry your mat. But he answered them, he who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And they said to him, well, who is this man who said to you, pick up your mat and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus slipped away into the crowd um, after it happened. So he didn't even know it was Jesus at this point. Afterward, Jesus found this former paraplegic man at the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. And for this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to heal people on the Sabbath. Um, He answered to them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. So, all that to say, Jesus comes up to this man and says, Look at you, like, you're well. But do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. And this is kind of interesting. Um, it, It kind of points to the fact that this man was leading a bit of a sinful life even after his newfound physical freedom, so to speak. So he could, he could move again, and, um, but he's, he's going down this life that, that leads him to more of a slavery of the spirit, even though he can move freely. And Jesus knew that, that what the man really needs is not necessarily a healed body, but a healed heart and a new spirit and forgiveness and freedom. So we're actually going to look at another part of the Bible where this is like a very similar story, and it's in Mark. And I'm just going to read it out of here, kind of paraphrase it for you guys for time's sake. But essentially, you have all these people crammed into a house, and Jesus is like preaching in there. And the house is so packed that nobody can come in through the windows or the sides or anything like that. And you have these three friends with their friend who's also paralyzed, And they have him, like, on his mat. And they're like, how the heck are we going to get him in there? So they climb onto the roof, and they, like, dig a hole, like, through the mud roof and lower the dude down, like, right in front of Jesus. So Jesus is, like, preaching and just like, oh, like, let me guess. You want to be healed? Like, you came in through the roof. Cool. Um, But he was totally glad to do it because Jesus is compassionate. So he looks at the man, the the man on the mat, and he's, he's paralyzed. But the first thing he says to him is, son, your sins are forgiven. And then you have, of course, the Pharisees and the teachers of law standing there, and they say, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Nobody can forgive sins but God alone. And Jesus heard what they were saying, and he said, what is easier, to forgive sins or to tell this man to get up and walk? And he immediately says, get up and walk. And he gets up, and he goes away. But what is interesting about this story is the order in which he does that. What was more important to Jesus was that this man knew that his sins were forgiven and that he was free. And then he healed him. And I always think that's so interesting because if I was this dude and I like came down here, I finally 
got to Jesus and he just said, your sins are forgiven, I would have been like, huh, yeah, but I can't move. Like, you know, I can't, you know, what does that mean? And so I think I would be a little upset. But the man needed God himself and not just a new physical body. In the same way, we don't need a problemless and pain-free, perfect trophy life. We need God himself because God knows what will make us truly happy. And it's so easy to go and pursue the things that we think will make us happy. And then when we get them, we're not there. So we think of something else and we get there and we're not there. And all the while, Jesus is standing right there saying, do you want to get well? Like, do you actually want to get well? Um, Because so often I find myself praying for something, not even realizing that God's given it to me. And he comes back and he's like, what are you doing? Like, you have this new life. Embrace it. So, we need God himself, the God who created us and knows our deepest desires. So while I'm asking Jesus to fix my life for the right person to marry or the right career or a decent amount of money, all the things that I need to happen to feel like I'm worth something to the world, all the while, God is offering me something even better, something that I can have right now, even if I don't get the perfect job or salary or house. He's offering me deep and life-giving healing that is completely independent of my circumstances. And he's offering that to all of us. So, kind of talked about a lot. Might have been a little bit jumbled. Let me drink from my base real quick. I'm hydrated. Nobody wants heat stroke. <coughs> I that back in my 40s. No, just kidding. Not 40. Anyways. Um, so we've talked about, you know, our insecurities. We asked God to reveal that. Um, we've looked at this dude, and we've seen the ways in that he's kind of fabricated this plan to make himself well. And then we've also seen Jesus just give him new life, just like that. Um, so where is our cure? Like, we know that we are not well. What do we need to do to get well? Like, what, is it, what does it even mean to get well? Well, it turns out that... That's exactly what God did through Jesus. That's like what the gospel is. He gave us himself so that we no longer have to live the perfect life. He already lived it. But if we pursue him, our life will will start to mimic his because the spirit of God is in us. He lived the perfect life we were not good enough to live. And then he gave us his life. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead into new life, He took him with us, so to speak, by sending his own spirit into his hearts so that his very life is in us. So let's look at Galatians 2.20 real quick. I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's pretty cool. I like that a lot because it, it takes all the pressure off of me and getting it right. And it says, look, the spirit of God is in you and he's living through you every day. And all you have to do is just relax and believe that. And he's gonna work miracles through you. He's gonna take you on an adventure that you couldn't even imagine if you tried. I mean, I know that I have my wildest dreams, but God wants to give me even more than my wildest dreams. But I let my wildest dreams get in the way. It's like, I think I know what I want, you know? And he wants to give me something even better. And if I can just put those aside for a second, I can finally embrace the freedom 
that God has for me. Now, I know that this may be a bit confusing because sometimes I get confused. I'm like, well, if the Spirit of God is in me, why do I still mess up? Like, why do I still sin? Like, if Jesus is living his life through me, then why, why do I still feel these, you know, these insecurities and all these things? Um, and I think that a good way to describe that uh, is not said by me, but by a pastor in New York named Tim Keller. So let's just read this quote real quick. <clears throat> he who began a good work in you will carry it on to, in, to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Um, so this speaks of a process, this process that we've been talking about, begun the day we believed in Jesus that has traditionally been named sanctification. Paul is saying that we should not think that the process will be complete before the end of time. Um, we should never think that we can achieve perfection here and now, but he also warns against losing hope. He will bring the work to completion. Slowly but surely, by the power of the Spirit, he will put on your new self created to be like God. During this life, as we trust in God and come to know him, we are being transformed into Christ's likeness from one degree of splendor to the next. Even, or especially, the sufferings we experience can make us wiser, deeper, and stronger, and better. So essentially what he's saying is don't lose hope. It's not a process that just happens overnight, this process of sanctification, fancy word for God making you the person that you're meant to be. Um, so when you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I've just messed up so much. I don't, I don't think I'm becoming a good person at all. You have to remember how much God loves you and that he's doing this. He will bring it to completion. You can't fix yourself. God is fixing you, whether you like it or not, if you believe in him. So that's good news. <laughs> Because it means we can take breathing. So, if we can gather anything from this message, um, I really hope it's this. And maybe you guys, like, tune out for a little bit, which is totally fine. I might have done the same thing in your shoes. But, just listen to this. I know that we can spend so much time pursuing things in life that we think will make us happy, that we think will make us well, and that we think will get us that much closer to perfection however we define that. But God is waiting for us to accept his invitation to not just a good life, but a transformed life. A life anew where our hearts are tied into oneness with the very heart of God himself. A life where we don't have to live so that others may love us, but that we live waking up to how deeply God loves us as the sun rises every single day. If we want to wait by our mythical healing pool, we may... But as C.S. Lewis writes, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because that just doesn't exist. There's no such thing. You have to come to God if you want the real thing. And so, sure, we will mess up along the way, but Jesus has already paid for that. Simply answer this daily invitation of his love. Keep your eyes on his eyes, and you will be changed slowly but surely into the radiant self that God has prepared you to be since before your story was even written. So I just want to encourage you guys and, and really take this whole time as a moment of encouragement. When the summer is a time that can, I don't know, at least when I was in college, living in the fraternity over the summer, I did not feel like myself. I just felt like, man, what am I doing? Where am I going? I miss the inn. I miss structure in my life. Wake up and ask God to show you how much he loves you. 
you are his child. And like, that is how you should feel. You're not going to feel that way all the time because we're not perfect, but it is the truth. And whether you feel that way or not, it is the truth. You're a beloved child of God. His spirit is in you. He's changing you and he's doing amazing work through you. So keep your eyes on that and let's have another prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to, to hear this message again, to hear your gospel, your good news that uh, we don't have to live to be loved anymore, but we can live because we're loved, because we're already forgiven. You've put the verdict in. Um, you took our place, and, and forever we're not guilty. Um, there's nothing we can do to change that because, because that's what you've said and what you said goes, God. So let's live into that. Um, help us not believe the lies that we're not good enough, that we'll never be good enough, because we are good enough forever and ever. And for that, we love you very much. Amen.